Welcome to Convicted Success, a podcast dedicated to women who have been and are incarcerated. I'm your host, Sheena, and tonight we're going to talk about some of the challenges we face post-release, programming and support networks, all of that stuff. Let's do this. Joining me tonight uh, is Sylvia Reyes. Thank you for joining me. Um, Your story is such an inspiration, and I'm so glad that we get to share it with others. So just starting off with just very basic, let's just start with three questions. When were you locked up, how long, and and your release date? I originally went in in 2009. I was released in 2011. Unfortunately, I went back in 2014, and I was released March 26th of 2015. Okay, so you've been out for about five years, a little over five years. Yes. That's awesome. We'd love to hear that. We talked, you know, extensively yesterday. We got really deep into, you know, uh, your story. Tell us about how you found your way to prison. Tell us your story. What what exactly happened? What led you to to prison? Well, in 2005, uh, I got a divorce in 2006, March 6th of 2006. My home burned down, and I lost everything that I owned. Um, The Red Cross put me in Barcelona, which is... uh, any of you know it, it's a horrible place to be. Uh, no money, no job. I lost my job because my husband was my boss. And, of course, we got divorced. And someone came to me and asked me, did I want to start selling drugs to make money? At that point, I was desperate. I had a 13-year-old son, and I was like, yes, I will do it. Uh, I then, they found out how great I was on the computer, and that led into a lot of uh, other criminal activity. Uh, fast money, fast drugs, I became addicted, and I forgot who I was and what I was doing, and my criminal activity led me to prison. And that was the first time around? Yes, that was the first time around. Uh, The second time I was arrested, I was in an extremely horrible relationship and also in my addiction, and my house was robbed by my boyfriend that I found out later, and my stuff was taken to a trap house. Well, I went to get my stuff announced to me. Um, it was just not a good situation, and I got my stuff out. I called the police myself, and I sat there for an hour waiting for them, and they arrested me on burglary charges. Um, the first deal they came to me with was 25 to life oh, as a habitual. And I was like, absolutely not. Why would I call the police on myself if it wasn't my stuff? And wait around for them. Right, exactly. I sat on the bed of a truck swinging my feet, waiting for the police to get there, thinking, you're doing the right thing, Sylvia. You're telling the truth, and it's going to be okay. You're going to get your things back. Yeah, that didn't happen. Uh, I was, I, I pled down to a Category C attempt burglary charge, and my public defender, uh, pretender, <laughs> told me, oh, not a problem, not a problem, you'll be okay. I went to sentencing and was remanded into custody. And when I did my time, I programmed, I worked, I did everything I was supposed to do, I made my board, and I came to Reno and went to the Empowerment Center. And that was the best thing I could have ever done. So in 2015, uh, were you released, uh, by the way, on paper, or were you, did you just, did you uh, expire your time? No, I was on parole at that time. Okay. Are you off parole now? Yes, I am. Okay. Okay. So moving to Reno, that's, that's big, especially, you know, it's kind of a culture shock going from Vegas to Reno, <laughs> I'm sure. 
very much. What were some of the greatest challenges for you personally that you experienced after you were released? Uh, when I was released, um, one of my biggest fears was my mom was ill. My mom had Alzheimer's, and I needed to leave Vegas to start a new life. So being here without my family, of course, was the hardest one, uh, knowing that my mother was ill. Uh, another thing was obtaining employment at that time, you know. And there's a lot of work out there, but when you carry that felony, it's very difficult. So you have to settle for sometimes things that are less than beneath you. Not, not a job's never beneath you, but things that you're, you're better than doing. Um, my first job was at Del Taco. I started out as a cashier, and I worked my way up into management. Uh, walking in the heat, having to comply with uh, meetings, groups, working your schedule around that, parole and probation. Everybody wants you to jump through hoops, but they want you to succeed, mm-hmm. and there's limitations put on you. Yeah. I always say if you if you put as much energy into just doing the right thing as you did in your addiction and committing your crimes and doing your dirt, you'd be way ahead of the game. You know, I'm still finding that out because I wake up every morning now. Um, I'm so blessed right now in my life. It's just, it's amazing that just doing the right thing leads so many doors to open and so many people come back into your life that you lost, that you pushed away because of your addiction. Right. Absolutely. What was your drive? Like, what changed the second time? Because... You know, especially when you've gone in multiple times, usually it becomes a pattern. What broke that pattern for you? You know, I was tired. I was tired of that lifestyle. I was tired of always looking over my shoulder. You know, I have, I have a son, unfortunately. He's in prison. Um, he saw all the glory and everything that I was doing, the fast money, the drugs, all of the bad things. And um, I needed to be the mother instead of the friend. I needed to be that daughter instead of the person that my mom calls, well, that was my daughter, you know. Um, I needed to be the, the person that I was before. So it was just getting back to who I knew I was, you know, and what I'm capable of doing and, and wanting to um, show the younger girls that it's possible that you can do it. You know, I, and I came out. As a as a, a client in the empowerment center, I ended up being a house manager and a staff mentor. So my drive was just it was all self motivated, you know, to be the best that I could be and to be what I used to be. Yeah, that's I mean that's an important thing. Uh, now that we always wind up in a space where we want to help others, and that's because it's time to do so. You know, it's time for us to make amends for all the crap that we did and. And just all the ridiculousness that we took part in. You know, if, if I, like, you know, we talked, uh, if I went back to make amends for everything I've ever done, I'd probably never see the day of light. And now it's so important to me to hold my hand out there and just let them grab a hold because you can't tell anybody what to do. All I can do is tell my story, and it's my testimony. It's a strong one. Mm-hmm. Let someone hear my story, and if I can change someone's life just one one iota then I have accomplished my goal you know I've, I've shown someone that it's okay and you can do it you can succeed absolutely looking back just and I and we talked about this yesterday as well but just looking back at like you're going back 
to like day one before all this went down before your first incarceration looking back on that day in comparison to today what what is the difference like what is the difference that you see in yourself i love myself today i'm i have such self-confidence now that i can do it that there's nothing stopping me and i'm worth it what advice would you give the girls, the, the women that are getting out? Um, because they're going to, you know, it's a cold, it's a shock. When you get released, when you hit, the, you hit those doors, and it doesn't matter if you've been locked up a year, five years, ten years. I mean, there's definitely a difference in the challenges that you face, but everybody, we all have the same general feeling when we hit that door. It's absolute terror. You know, I, I think the most important thing that I'm gonna, I, I would say to them is don't forget who you are. Don't forget where you came from and never stop pushing forward. It, it, you're going to have to humble yourself. Sometimes you're going to have to do things that you think you're, you're above, but you're not. It's just baby steps. And don't forget to ask for help. It's all right to ask for help. Yeah, that's, that's really big. Yes. I mean, the help is out there. There's people that will support you. You just have to reach out. Yeah, and you know, us, us being... You know, we've been through the system, we're out of it now, and we're succeeding in our lives, but we have to remember, too, that we were there. Yes. And we're never too good to reach out to those young ladies again and help them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with, you know, um, I was divorced just recently, and my ex-husband would tell me, why do you you insist on going around those people that were in prison? What do you want to be, what do you want to be like them again? I was like them, and I still am them. I've just succeeded, and it's okay to help. There's nothing wrong with helping, and I'm never too good for it. It's it's a part of your history. It doesn't define you, but it is a part of your history, and you have to remember that. Otherwise, you'll fall back into it. You exactly. have to remember all the bad. It. Yeah, you have to remember all the bad things, the lows. You have to keep that in the forefront so that you know that that's not something that you wanna you wanna face again. And those walks define, you know, it doesn't define us as a a horrible person, but it does define us who we are today, the strength, the integrity, the love and the compassion and empathy that we have because we've been there and there's a bond between us women that not a lot of people know. Mm -hmm. That's true. There's that, yeah, it's it's an unspoken bond. Yes. It's an understanding. So I, I know, you know, we talked a little bit yesterday about, COVID, how that's affecting, affecting the prisons, being shut down, mail visits, all that. What about programming? And, and I know that, you know, you had mentioned there's not a lot of programming going on. Um, and, and the little bit that is going on, it's, it's all inmate run at this point because nobody's allowed in the prison. What type of programming do you think that we need to see implemented? And, and we're talking, you know, even before prison becomes an option, what can we do before these women even get to that point um, you know, I, to kind of effectively reduce that rate of recidivism and, and encourage their success? You know, I think I, I was thinking about this. Um, there needs to be so many more programs for life skills, for training, um, on how to become a productive citizen. You know, because a lot of these young girls are coming out of dysfunctional families or full-blown drug addiction, and they've never been taught how to live. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. how to survive. You know, um, anybody can live, homeless shelter, anybody can live, but you have to learn how to cope, how to deal with those triggers, which I never really understood until I really got into it, what my triggers were. You know, the anxiety, the stress, they need more intimate, more, more one-on-one structure. You know, and I think confidence building is a big one, too, because a lot of these women, especially that have been in addiction, which honestly, the higher, you know, a very high percentage, most of us have some type of addiction. But this confidence building is a big thing because a lot of the things we do comes with, uh, you know, searching for love, trying to find acceptance. Um, but I think that's that's a big thing for a lot of these women, too. They've been so beat down you know, they've basically been crushed by the system. Yes, and it, you're no good. You're worthless. You're never going to make it. Well, that's what we need to change is you are going to make it. You are worth something, and you're beautiful. Regardless, beauty is on the inside. It's not on the outside. Absolutely. Absolutely. And women need to know that. You know that you're, you are an amazing human being, and we love you. What about support groups? Do they have any kind of support groups, any kind of networks that are available for the the women that are getting out? There, there's a few. There needs to be a lot more. A lot of the, the uh, transitional living houses are really difficult for women, you know, because when you're coming out of prison, you're coming out of, of chains and, and you're bound and you're, you, there's rules and you're not allowed to do a lot of things, you know. These women need, they need more, they need to be a little, I, I don't know how to say this, a little bit freer, more able to make their own choices, but yet with those guidelines on the side instead of such harsh you know, it's this, it's that. You come out to nothing, you have to pay $600 a month rent. With what? Right. You know, yeah. what are you supposed to do that off to get? Where are you supposed to get this money to come out to somebody's halfway houses? How are you supposed to do that? Yeah, there's there's no type of transition. I mean, you you go from having three meals a day in a bed, granted it's in a cell, to all of a sudden all these worries. Where are you going to live? Um, if you have children, what are you going to do with your children? Some, you know, some of us were fighting to get them back. Uh, nobody will hire you. You, what do you do? You have to pay fines. You have to pay fees. You have to do check-ins. Right. So much that you have to do, and there's no type of support or 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 tools available to help you accomplish that. And you know that there. You know, when I got out of prison the second time, I was I was lucky enough to have a gentleman who helped me pay for my bed, or I would have never got out. Yeah. You know, there, there wasn't places, and you know, that's okay. You can you can get out to a halfway house. You have to work, but then your rent is so high. What do you? How are you supposed to spend save your money? Yeah, and I don't know about the halfway houses there, but I know a lot of them here have like mandatory, um, or they used to anyway, is mandatory programming. Yes, so you'd be yes. required to go to certain meetings and groups and... And they have blackout periods, you know. When you get out, you have to be in blackout for so many days, which is okay, you know, because that's intensive programming. Mm-hmm. But you need to find a job. You have to live. Who's going to buy your clothes? You know, who's going to give you the necessities that you need? I mean, the food, for even food, yes. you know, just so you, yes. because you, everybody has to buy their own food and, you know, that's their responsibility. Yeah, there's... There's a lot of challenges when you get out. Um, And then, you know, another one, uh, somebody brought this up to me the other day, one of my clients 
identification. Yes. A lot of these women, you know, especially if they've, they're strung out, they've been on the streets, they've been doing dirt, they don't have their social security card. Some of them don't have IDs. A lot of them don't have IDs. That's a big deal, too, because now you have to deal with social security. You have to deal with vital statistics to get a birth certificate if you don't have that. You have to get all this stuff together, and then you have to deal with the DMV. Right, well, and you need those things to even get out of prison to go to halfway houses. And that's, I mean, you need it for anything. I can't tell you how many times in other jobs that I've had since I've been out where people have come in to, um, like, rent, a, rent an apartment or um, uh, get a credit card or for anything. They're trying to pay for something, and they have no ID. No right. ID, but they have their prison ID. I can't and tell you. Not acceptable. I can't tell you how many prison IDs I've seen. <laughs> right. And they're not acceptable. It's not acceptable. An acceptable ID, but it is from the state. You were a ward of the state, but you can't use it. So there are definitely some challenges that are out there. Um, is there anything else that you would like to say, or anything that we didn't cover? You know, I just my main thing to these girls coming out or prior to going in. Find one of us. Find somebody. Find someone that's been there. Get with them. Let them guide you. Ask questions. You know, there's, there are, there are some, there's a lot of us out here. Just find us and ask for help and let us help you. Yeah, we're going to try to make the, you know, some services readily available. Um, we're going to try to get this campus up for leave so we can really start helping people. Yes. Um, so, yeah, there's, you know, some good things in the works. So, you know, there is the program out here, um, Hope for Prisoners. I think yes, they've done a lot of great work. I was just speaking with a friend of mine in prison today. Uh, he was telling me we were talking about John Ponder. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. So I, and I advocate for prisoners, the men at the prison right now. That's where my son is. So I do as much as I can for them, you know, when they call and they need me to get something or, or just help regardless of whatever it is. You know, it's, it's just being there and helping them and letting them know that, man, here's my hand. Grab a hold. Yeah. Well, we're there for you. There's, there's people out there. We'll, we'll find us. We'll help yes. you out. We got you and back. We'll find you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Thank you so much, Sylvia. Again, I appreciate you for joining me. Um, I hope we hear from you again. Well, thank you so much for having me, and I would love to be back again. Oh, thank you so much. Okay, it's time for a quick break. We'll be right back. So before we end the podcast tonight, I want to remind everybody that it's a really important year to get out and vote. Uh, For felons, there are no longer states with voting bans. So in all states, once you're released from prison, uh, complete your parole, or in some cases, uh, probation, your voting rights are restored. This is not something that we had before, so it's really important that we use this right that we get out there, make our voices heard. If you're not registered to vote, you can do so online. It only takes a couple of minutes to register. Uh, this year in Nevada, we do have the option for mailing in our ballots. So really there's no excuse. You can register online, you can mail in your ballot. There is no reason to say that you could not vote. 
The second thing that I want to talk about is the Power of Three. It's a new private virtual group session that's offered for free to three women each month who will attend three sessions over a three week period. This is specifically for women that have been incarcerated and each month we will cover a different topic. Uh, for the month of October, we will specifically be covering addiction and dealing with the after effects. We'll talk about addiction, but we're also going to talk about life after addiction. How do you normalize your life after doing so? Uh, we have extensive exercises and activities that we'll be doing. There might be some homework. To be selected, you can email your life coach at leafcommunity.com. That's L-E-A-F-E community.com. And uh, for October, these sessions will be held uh, the last three weeks, uh, the 16th, the 23rd, and the 30th. Again, if you'd like more information, you can email me. You can also check us out on Facebook. We do have um, postings up that go into a little bit more detail if you're interested. And that's pretty much it, you guys. Uh, for the women who are out there listening tonight, if you're having a bad day, if you're not sure what your next move should be, if you're thinking about falling back, feeling like you're going to give up, stop. There are people out here like myself, Sylvia, so many women out here that you can talk to. We know what you're going through. We know what you're feeling. And especially if you're fresh out the gate, those feelings of fear, rejection, depression, those are all normal. It's just a phase that you have to go through once you're released. Once you get through it, life gets really, really good. There's always going to be ups and downs, but it's a matter of the way that you handle it. Thank you for joining us tonight and a special shout out to Sylvia for sharing her story. We'll see you next Wednesday at 8 p.m. with another story. Stay safe and stay blessed.